0: Adoption. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 51 was recorded live January 13th, 2011. to scuba obsessed three divers walk into a bar uh and as always i'd like to introduce jim and and, and this this time you're from the right side of town <clears throat> did I'm, i get it right yeah this, we're gonna this, go with that i've tried rest? i've tried the better side the good side it's the right side it's the right side so from the right side of town and then we have a special guest with us this week we have dwayne johnson from precision diving how are you doing tonight dwayne
1: good good Great, so... Uh, the right side of town, too.
0: You're from the right yes. side of town. Actually, you're, I don't think you're too far f- uh, away from us. Where are you located?
1: Uh, I'm in Naperville, actually. It's a suburb of Chicago. Great, yeah, not, I've been through far there. Not at all, yeah.
0: Yeah, quite a few times as Chicago is, is, is a nice place to go visit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and uh, what we'll do is we'll we'll go ahead and then we'll jump right on into the news. We have a, a full schedule, so some of the items that we'll have in the news this week is a follow-up from the tank explosion, Diver Find Skull, Dive, dive Heart Founder Honored, Diving for Fish Eggs, Dangerous Fishing, Titanic Eating Bugs, Dry Suit Demo Tour, and the follow-up on a sh- Historic Shipwreck Finds. And it's just odd how many news articles have come. It, it seems like uh, that last week of December... Uh, it took me a long time to find just a couple, and now we're loaded to the gills. So, plenty of
2: good material. It's plenty
0: of great material. So uh, the first one here is going to be uh, the follow-up on the tank explosion.
2: Yeah, with uh, Rick Allen was his name?
0: Yes, and of course this is the article that's, uh my browsers can't pull up right now. But uh, he is doing better. Uh, he's going to recover. Uh, if, if you remember and you listened last week, uh, he had a, a cylinder in his garage uh, that had tipped over and actually had exploded, uh, caused a fire, and he's, he suffered some severe burns. Uh, he's recovering in the hospital now. Uh, it looks like he's going to pull through. They say it's going to be several months before he gets back back to home, but uh, he's on the path to recovery. And if you want to wish him well, there's a website, getwellrick.com forward slash guestbook. And you can sign the guest book. So if you're a listener to the show, we'd appreciate if you go over there and wish Rick well. Uh, he's a videographer underwater, just a little bit older than Jim and myself, and he's been doing this quite a while. It doesn't kind of when you see how long some of these other people our age have been diving. It, it's like, what are we waiting for? Right. I can't get that article come up. The Fayetteville Observer needs to update their website. So we'll go ahead and jump on to the next article. Uh, a human skull was found. By a federal scuba diving team, we were just talking with Rich a few weeks ago about some of the training, and uh, I think it was last week they were talking about finding the explosives uh, right out when you're doing training. Well, this time they didn't. The, the dive team doing training didn't just find, you know, material objects. They actually found a human skull. The team was conducting a routine training exercise January 5th in the Palmetto Bay area when they divers discovered a skull in about 15 to 20 feet of water. Yay! Yeah. So. Uh, uh, they have, they don't have any idea what it is right now. The, med- the Miami-Dade medical examiner is taking custody of the skull for investigation. And they say periodically skulls are found in a jurisdiction or are uh, traced back to, uh, oh goodness, something else to pronounce, Santera or Paul- can do it. Paulo Myobe Source. But uh, what they're saying is that some of these are, you know, brought in for religious means. Uh, different cultures are trying to bring him into the uh, United States for for other purposes. Or uh, maybe it was just somebody doing a uh, Shakespeare play. Uh, possibly. Possibly. Water. Yeah, I certainly water.
2: hope that that's what was brought in.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> you're water. hoping it's not. Uh, I mean, they only found the skull, so, you know, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I bet they went down there and, and did some more searching around. But uh, all they found so far is a skull. And then a uh, friend of the show. DiveHeart founder Jim Elliott is being honored. He will receive the Glenn McIntyre Heritage Award at the Aquarium of the Pacific on January 30th. And I had to look up to figure out what the Aquarium of the Pacific is, and that is in California, which I guess it makes sense being on the Pacific. Uh, It's Long Beach. Jim says, I am very honored to receive this award, especially meaningful as we celebrate DiveHeart's 10th anniversary. I will accept the Award, not for personal achievement, but for Dive Heart's body of work to date, achieved by thousands of Dive Heart volunteers, participant friend donors, who have made Dive Heart a leader in a world of adaptive scuba diving. Congratulations to Jim.
2: Yeah, really. If you get a chance, you ought to go to their website and take a look at some of the work that they do if you haven't heard of them already. It's an amazing, uh, amazing labor of love uh, that's been launched and, and does a real a real lot of good for those people that are involved and um, not just for the the people who are learning to scuba dive from what i understand the people who who do the helping are getting just as much out of it
0: it's an excellent program uh, if you get a chance to participate or even look them up uh, head on over there uh, the next article is on diving for fish eggs uh, some scientists were looking into some studies on evolution and got to the point where they had to don some scuba gear and go looking for eggs so what they did is they were diving for elephant fish eggs they said it was not only a pleasant it was not always a pleasant trip they said unfortunately elephant fish like to lay their eggs in cold muddy shark infestive bays so we spent <laughs> months seeking out the site in southeastern australia and new zealand when you find the eggs in muck it's like winning the lottery so it, 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 I wonder if that feels almost as good as finding a bottle.
2: <laughs> well, may you know, I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder.
0: Yeah, if you're um, out there searching, one man's
2: trash is another man's treasure. So. We throw away elephant fish eggs all the time. Oh yeah, they're, they're 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 just all over the place here, and they're probably throwing away bottles they find. Yeah,
0: though. they they got uh, antique bottles and ceramics they just pitch over. Darn no elephant eggs. So. A good article. We won't go into it, but they were trying to find. Uh, they were looking at different stages of embryonic development in the fish and seeing how temperature and other things affect it. So uh, great if if you want to look into some science. Uh, next one is dangerous fishing. It looks like the BBC did a documentary. Doc, documentary. Doc, wow! Wow! You're taking yeah. even the simple ones tonight. Here, here, let me have another drink. That should. Working that on should, it. No, oh, it's better. That, that just should help. The documentary aired in the United Kingdom on Friday, and they're scribing an act pa ailing, which is a local fishing method where divers use tubes from a compressor to breathe underwater to catch fish. Um, They explained that how uh, fishermen who go as deep as 40 meters under the sea are at the risk of diving from lethal bends after the diving using a rusty compressor. And they also talked about the hazards of if they get trapped in the air or get trapped in a net or lose their airlines how they pass uh, this fishing method uh, oh they have another form of fishing where they were banging on coral reefs to scare fish that was banned in 1998 <laughs> uh, because it was damaging the reefs at one point people were talking about why not uh, make it illegal to use these uh, hooker rigs as we call them up here uh, and luckily there's some sane minds down there they said oh at present compressor diving is not illegal per se uh, adding that the method could be used for lawful purposes such as scuba diving, they said if you you ban that, then you might as well just ban scuba diving so luckily they've they haven't banned it down there so and then the next one is one that Jim sent over uh Titanic wreck being eaten by superbug and some and they say that it, it will disappear in twenty years. Uh, the wreck of the Titanic, which sank after hitting an iceberg on its main voyage. Could be lost forever after scientists found it's been eaten by a bug, and I, and when when Jim told me about that, I'm thinking that has got to be one big creature. Right, it, it makes for a good uh, a B movie, you know. And you know, and I can eat a lot. I can take down a pizza, but you know, the Titanic that's that's a little much. Uh, they've uh, revealed that the ongoing liner went uh, that went down with a loss of lives will be nothing but a rust stain on the ocean floor within 20 years. Do you buy this? No, I'm not buying that. The the uh, okay, the the
2: revenge that we were talking about last week. There's still cannon laying there that are identifiable, and now we're gonna we're gonna say that the Titanic is disappear disappear within uh, a decade and a half or two decades from now. I'm not buying that at all. I think the sky has fallen
0: for somebody. I, I think it's a case of uh, it gets some good publicity, plus maybe it might uh, shake out a little bit of uh, money for whatever grant that they're working on. Uh, uh, I think so. Experts who have examined the microscopic bacteria found the wreck when samples were brought up in 1991 estimate that Titanic will vanish by 2013. Um, yeah, I you know. You know, and I admit that different thicknesses of metal will will break down over time, but I don't think that... Uh,
2: and it will it go away. These things are not going to be with us forever. Um, you know, even our cold water... cold... no, I've got it. What have you done? <laughs> the the cold water wrecks by us um, are going away. Um, the ocean ocean wrecks aren't going to be there forever, but something like that isn't going to be gone within the next 15 to 20 years.
0: So it'll be interesting. I hope they do keep studying it. I just think it's interesting to study the, the breakdown of the wrecks and, and what happens. So, you know, by studying a wreck that you have found and see how it decays over time, when you find one in another location that may have been missing just as long, you're going to be able to, to help uh, age and date it and, and understand how long it's going to survive. Uh, next article is, uh, this is almost like a press release, but I thought I'd covered it anyway. White's Drysuit announces a demo tour uh, for scuba divers so this is the uh, White's dry suits uh, they've they've announced their 2007 demo tour so if you head over to the scuba obsessed website in the show notes you can click on it and they also have the dates and did you happen to take a look at this one Jim? I did Briefly looked at it. I didn't look at any dates. Have we got anything coming up close by in the spring? Uh, we do in the spring. It's uh, you know I I'd, I'd like them to do it now. You know bring it, bring them out now. Why wait? That'd but be they, the true test, wouldn't but, it? Exactly. I want to try it. Uh, but I think they want to wait for the ice to get off the the lakes first. But they do have them in all our local quarry spots. Or not all of them. Sorry. Sorry, Rich. Uh, yeah, Rich. Why aren't they in your in your quarry? Uh, what they, but they are coming in the area, so there's, uh, they're going to be at Gilboa, Haig Quarry, and Marmette Springs. So those are the local uh, dive spots around here. Uh, but they're also going to be in you know, British Columbia, California, Texas, Alabama, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Virginia. So uh, it'll be interesting. And then also DUI, we'll have to look up those dates. They've got uh, a similar program going on out there. And in our quest for a dry suit this year, we're going to be harassing these companies to see what uh, what uh, information they can give us. Uh, it may, might be a good time to talk a little bit about uh, Twitter and Facebook. You can head over to our Facebook site at www.scubaobsessed.com forward slash Oh wait, that's uh, that's uh, Scoob obsessed. The Facebook site. Gosh, I not even can't talk. <laughs> I can't just rifle <laughs> them into your own site. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're, we're Facebook now. Uh, no, but then you go over to Facebook and you do facebook.com forward slash Scoob obsessed, and we've had a good discussion going on over there on dry suits. Somebody on Twitter was asking about what's a, you know which one would be better for ice diving, uh, tri lam or neoprene. So. Um, you know, Go ahead and give us your feedback in there. We've got quite a bit of uh, conversation going on.
1: I think I read on Facebook that DUI had posted their uh, 2011 uh, demo dates.
2: On the uh, Facebook site?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I think I read uh, Susan Long's uh, post that they had uh, on the DUI's website uh, the schedule of the demo days already.
2: We'll have to pull that up and make sure we've got a link for that also.
0: Now, now, you're dive suit drying, aren't you, Dwayne? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so what's what's your preferred dry suit, if, if we could pull?
1: Um, I'm getting my second DUI suit right now. So I've, I've been a big fan of DUI. My first dry suit was uh, a White's dry suit. Um, that was before they came out with uh, the Fusion model, um, and it was a White's Nexus. And uh, the suit was probably their cheapest suit they made, and it sure fit like it. Yeah, it, it was not a good suit. Um, matter of fact, I think I only owned that suit for about two or three months before I got rid of it. Uh, my second suit was a Diving Concepts, and that one was a crushed neoprene suit. Um, and it served me well, except on multiple days of diving. Having that thing sit in my car overnight or for a couple of days, um, it really made my car stink. Um, then after that, I went with my DUI um, with the, uh, the TLS 350, which is a trilaminate suit. And uh, I have just loved those suits. So I got uh, I got a second one coming now.
0: Yeah, that's 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 what I've been thinking. I, we were following the the chat over there and uh yeah, I I hear a lot of good things uh, about the uh the neoprene's uh like the 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 white's fusion but i'm just picturing i'm picturing jim and i getting out of an ice dive in the in the cold and we're going to look like the tin man by the time we get to the the ice shanty and that that yeah that's something that we had talked about and it just makes sense that er, you know
2: freezing up pretty quick and holding
1: water and not good yeah Yeah, whichever suit you you get you're going to have that i mean even on my my uh trilaminate suits um, if it's cold enough, when I get out of the water, by the time I take my gear off on the table and walk somewhere else, um, whatever water is left on there is already frozen, and my black suit is now like white, you know, from from ice all right. over. It's
2: so, Yeah. It it still got to be better than our our wetsuits though. Absolutely. Of...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it should be.
0: Uh,
1: not quite
2: chattering
0: and
1: not quite as chilly. <laughs> wow. It's been years since I've done a wetsuit actually. So.
2: Yeah, it hasn't been that
0: long for me or Darren or yeah. so. Yeah, wow. yeah, 33 degrees in the wetsuit. Uh, that was that was our last dive. So
1: it's too cold for me. On to our next
0: news article. We have the follow up to last week's historic shipwreck. So they had teased us that they were going down to announce the shipwreck on Friday, and actually they did uh, announce it and. Uh, uh, did you get Did you get a chance to watch the video, Jim? I did. I, I didn't watch it all the way through, but uh, I did see it
2: enough to see uh, a cannon uh, laying down there. Yep. Um, pretty cool.
0: Great and, for them. And, and thanks to uh, listener uh, Philip Peeler for sending us the uh, video link. So that was great. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was neat to see. I, I I need to read up a little bit on uh, the significance of the the shipwreck, but it's great any time we have another object that we can go dive on.
2: Yeah, you know how excited those guys must have been when they uh, found found out what they had come across. Oh. To, uh, get your blood going, you
0: know, uh, like Mac. You know, how many of the, when he's doing river diving, how many handguns he found? I mean, what a cannon has to a, a equal twenty or two hundred or three hundred handguns. So, I would think
2: I would think that that would be the, the fair market value. Yeah, so the equivalents,
0: and then uh, we'll we'll go ahead. Then do you want to cover this, the cool scuba gear now, Jim? We might as well. Okay. Uh, potentially cool scuba gear. This one is a an article from the uh, scuba, not the scuba show. Gosh, uh, that's coming up in Chicago. This is the boat show, which is going on now in Chicago until this uh, Sunday. And one of the exhibitors there happened to have uh, scuba gear. So it's this little locker uh, with a compressor and some regulators in it.
2: Have, have you been to the boat show in Chicago,
0: Darren? N- not actually. No, I, I haven't. I, I'd love to, but... Uh, I'm I'm afraid that would be too tempting. Yeah, it's it's full on. Uh, there, it's a
2: it's a toy store. It's an amazing place to go if anybody gets an opportunity. It's a lot of fun if you're at all interested in uh, water sports or anything like that.
0: Now, which uh, which dive store is that? Uh, not dive store. I, uh, uh, <laughs> which
2: venue? Are they at uh, McCormick? They were at McCormick when I last went um, and it was uh, it was much like the auto show it took up a couple of floors and uh, they had everything that you could imagine there for uh, for water sports. Um, w- what a blast if you're if you're into dreaming, I'd recommend you go and walk around there. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah so what this one was and, and I'm, I can't tell if it's a quality product or not it's hard to tell from the links it's actually a, an Illinois company that is selling it. It's called the scuba Breather. And it looked like it was in a little dive cabinet with a compressor and two regulators. And what was kind of scary about it is they said that you didn't need any scuba training or certification to use it. <laughs> so uh, just just on that, that, did you get a chance to take a look? Uh, not in depth. So uh, looking over there, uh, you know, it, it would be an, it's a neat idea, but I I don't know how much i would be pitching it as that you don't need to have any training i, I guess maybe the risk is because they're only saying you should go down 20 30 feet but it's a regulator and it's got a hose on it uh, but it would be cool as like a backup you know if you're on a on a boat and you are a, a trained scuba diver to be able to go and do uh you know maybe a hull inspection or you drop a you know, want to loosen an anchor or something Mm-hmm. or maybe
2: look for an anchor
0: yeah so that does it for the news this week So what we'll do is we'll go ahead and uh, take a chance to talk with uh, Dwayne Johnson. So, Jim, I'll I'll go ahead and let you start this off.
2: Okay. Dwayne, uh, we had been following you on on Twitter for a little bit, and uh, Dwayne is uh, from Precision Diving. Uh, Dwayne, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you are and, and what Precision Diving does?
1: All right. Uh, Well, I'm uh, an independent scuba instructor um, and precision diving is it started off as just my business name, but it's kind of grown into how I personally conduct my dives. It's kind of my goal of how I how I want myself to perform underwater. Um, So I'm I'm not really a a full on dive store. Uh, I'm just uh, I just teach Mm -hmm. diving. I really have no interest in uh, in selling gear. Um, My my passion is, is teaching divers.
2: So that's, that's primarily what draw, you got into it because you loved scuba. I mean, you didn't get into teaching just for the sake of teaching, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when I first, my first experience in scuba diving, uh, my wife and I went on a uh, vacation to Jamaica and I did one of the uh, um, resort discover scuba diving courses. And it was the first time I'd ever seen, you know, the pretty fish and, and stuff like that. And yeah. And the, the best part was just you know being able to breathe underwater. I thought was just so cool um, that when I got home, I rushed right to my nearest dive store and signed up for my open water class. Um, and the rest is kind of history. You know, I, I went in and went through you know, rescue diver. Um, I was fortunate to have a, a good mentor who suggested that uh, I become a dive master because I was good with students and good with uh, with people. Um, and then after that, you know, naturally went on to uh, instructors. Well, great. The,
2: the reason that I had, I had contacted you, um, one of your uh, blog posts, you had been uh, talking about gas management. And mm-hmm. it's, it's come across my mind several times that as recreational divers, we really don't pay a whole lot of attention to gas management. When, when really, we probably should be. I mean, shouldn't we?
1: Absolutely. You know, when, when we think about it, um, our breathing supply is the only consumable that divers take with us. And it's it's only a small amount of gas that we carry, um, so it's really important for us to, to, to monitor it and, and manage um, how much of it we're actually going to use on our dives.
2: So what does that mean when we're talking about it? We, we say gas management. How how does one do that? What do we have to do to to make sure that we are properly watching what we're doing or planning a dive by our air consumption?
1: Well, gas management, um, there's different areas that make up gas management. Um, knowing what your consumption rates are is a part of, of gas management. Um, but in my opinion, the biggest part of gas management is knowing what your emergency reserves should be. Um, you know, I remember going through my open water classes and, and everything else, and no one actually – went through the steps to tell me, here is when you need to thumb the dive. You know, I mean, certainly I learned, you know, no decompression limits and and all of that kind of stuff. But no one said, hey, you know, if if you're at 100 feet and you're at only 800 psi left in your tank, do you really think you and your buddy can share air to the surface? You know, no one, you know, ever even mentioned that to me. And so, gas management to me, the biggest part is knowing when to thumb the dive, such that if if my buddy and I did have to do an air share, we have enough gas to do a nice slow ascent, do our safety stops, and then get to the surface uh, while doing our air share.
2: Okay, so it it does apply to recreational divers. It's not just a, a tech diver Absolutely. thing,
1: right? All okay. divers. Uh, yeah, you bet.
2: Okay, and because you were talking about open water experience, um, my open water experience was on all of our our uh, dives shortly after being certified. It was everybody's expected back up on the surface uh, with 500 psi. Never okay. really quite went into depth about how we figure out. Where we need to turn the dive, so we end up with five hundred at the surface um,
1: right. and people you know they 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 tell that to me when you know they go to their, their to the Caribbean and wherever else so they be, be be back on the boat with five hundred p s i and I kind of relate to that as like going on a road trip in your car, right? You know, you start driving, and then all of a sudden the gas light, you know, turns on, and then you start to look for a gas station. You know, at that point, it's almost too late, you know. Uh, right. So I kind of, kind of plan beforehand, beforehand um, to make sure that you don't sit there and wait till the very last minute to start our ascent. Okay. What, what do we have to do
2: to, to figure that out? I mean, where, how do we get there from here? Uh, in, in terms of how to do the calculations. Yeah, I mean, what do, what do we have to, we need to probably figure out how much
1: air we breathe, right? Yeah, so it's it's, it's uh, probably about five steps is really all it is, and it's some very simple math uh, that's involved. So if we look at our dive, um, the first step, is one, is to determine what our consumption rate is going to be for two divers at depth to handle a problem. So if me and my buddy, uh, my buddy runs out of air, and I donate to him, uh, we will allocate roughly about a minute to sort out the problem. So we, I, I donate my regulator to my buddy. He's breathing. I make sure he's okay. Uh, make sure he's calmed down, not ready you know to bolt to the surface and whatnot. Right. Um, So we leave one minute for that. So to calculate our consumption rate for that is we have – we're going to assume that because it was an out-of-air situation, both divers are at a stress level, right? Or I should say an increased stress level. Mm -hmm. So if we assume that each diver is going to have about a one cubic foot per minute consumption rate at depth, now for two divers, that's two cubic feet per minute uh, consumption rate. So we have two. Let me multiply that by the depth – Okay, so let's say it's 100 feet, for example, um, which is four atmospheres. So there's two times four is eight, times that by one minute, which we're going to get them to sort out the problem. So two times four uh, times one is now eight cubic feet of gas we're going to have to have just to sort out the problem. Right. Okay. So the math now stays the same, but now we have to break up the ascent. Um, you know, so we have our travel time that we have to take into consideration. So if we're going to do a thirty foot per minute travel time, and let's just for the sake of argument, we're not going to include deep stops in my example. Uh, we're going to go right up to say twenty feet to do our our uh, safety stop. Yeah. So purely through, no
2: deco, no re, just recreational, no deco. hundred
1: foot dive, exactly. Um, so now from, to go from 100 feet up to 20 feet at uh, 30 feet per minute, you know, we're basically looking at roughly three minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. So we can, we can do some rounding here to make it a little more conservative. Um, and then from there, uh, we can, you know, for our, since we're traveling, we can just use our average depth between 100 feet and 20 feet. So our average depth so that one is going to be, you know, right around, what, 60 feet? Okay, we'll oh, call yep, for average. to make the, the math nice and neat. So it would be, uh, what, uh, three atmospheres, roughly, to make the math nice and neat. So now we've got our same consumption rate of two cubic feet per minute. Multiply that by our average depth in atmospheres, which is three atmospheres, by our time. So we're going to look at three minutes. So we've got two times three times three uh, is 18 cubic feet of gas. Right, so then we can take our safety stop at 20 feet for three minutes, and we do the same consumption rates there. All right, so we uh, so um, 20 feet. If you want to make the, you know, again to make the math nice and neat, we'll use um, uh, a depth of two atmospheres, which is you know deeper than 20 feet, but it's, the math is neat. Um, so we have two times two times three, okay, which is going to be 12 cubic feet of gas, okay, just to do our safety stop. Just for our safety stop. Follow exactly. you. So now we can take all those portions that we've just calculated and add those up, okay? And we add that up and we get a, uh, a total cubic feet of gas it's going to take for both me and my buddy sharing air to get up to the surface, okay? So usually from 100 feet, um, and if we're assuming aluminum 80 tanks, um, that is roughly going to be about 1,200 PSI um, worth of gas, So if we're down at uh, 100 feet and I hit 1,200 PSI, I know that if I dip below 1,200, there's a good chance if me and my buddy are in an air share, we're not going to make it to the surface safely.
2: Right. right. We're but, not going to do it as, but, as calmly as we'd like to. That's for sure.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and whenever I talk to people about this, especially other instructors, um, it's somewhat frustrating because many instructors will teach that when you're on an air share, all right, you're going right to the surface. Okay. There is no doing safety stops. There is no doing deep stops, nothing like that. Um, when I plan my dives, when I plan my dives for my students, um, my goal for after the dive is to be able to go home all right it's mm-hmm. not to go to go the chamber it's not to go to the emergency room you know all that and if i have to spend an extra five or six minutes in the water doing a safety stop or a slow ascent or whatever i'm willing to do that rather than spend 12 hours in the chamber okay right. so so that's why you know we really want to have you know our safe ascent so when i tell people this it's it's a safe ascent that we're doing and that includes our safety stops Right.
2: We're not going to bypass anything. Um, exactly. Because plus if, that if, gives you – go ahead. If you, if you think
1: about it, um, when people run out of air, typically mm-hmm. it's going to be on the end of a dive. So if we're doing a 100-foot dive, our no decompression limits are around 20 feet. So if we're, like, say, 18 minutes into a dive when someone runs out of air, there's already now significant gas loading going on in the diver's tissues such that if you were to do, you know, that that scale, you know, that rocket ascent to the surface, um, the mm-hmm. chance of you getting bent is now significantly increased.
2: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, it's interesting to think about it like that. And, and uh, Darren was in uh, the same open water course that I was in. Darren, did we cover anything um, remotely, like even planning, or was it all?
0: Um... No, we were more concerned about staying in uh, no deco limits. Uh, I don't remember that we ever talked about, you know, how to make sure that you had enough air to come out. And, and I honestly, from the training, you didn't get the idea of what that was about. I kind of thought it was because the dive shop didn't want to spend the money to fill that, you know, 500 that they wanted you to leave in the tank. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Don't don't have that empty. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You you better have 500 in there.
1: Yeah. I, I, I teach this to all of my advanced open water students and, the first question I ask them before I even go into any of this is I asked them what is the controlling factor for determining your bottom time of a dive? And of course, everyone says no decompression limits, right? because that's how they're trained. But knowing that we're only carrying a finite amount of gas with us, the actually the controlling factor is how much gas we're carrying. Okay, because right. we could sit there and do that 100-foot dive on aluminum 80, um, and depending on what our consumption rates are going to be, we could easily run out of air before we ever hit no decompression limits.
2: Right. Right. And that's, you know, that's uh, when I hear about uh, read the accident reports with Dan and look at some of the statistics, I don't remember exactly what they are. But, but the out of air, because of a, a mechanical failure or because of uh, some other failure, are pretty low. It's it's when people actually run out of air um, that right. drive those numbers up, if I remember correctly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's that's all bad news because that's, that's on the shoulders of the diver right there.
1: Right. And, and um, in my opinion, there's... But keeping aside the mechanical failures aside, there's no reason anybody should ever run out of air. You know, if 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 you plan your dives properly and you take the gas management into consideration, um, there should be no reason why you should breathe a tank down to empty.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, but Um, how about if you're finding a bunch of good bottles?
1: of uh, 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 whiskey or something or?
0: <laughs> no we're 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 grubbers over here,
2: like to look in the river and for bottles and things like that um so so there's no uh no grubbing factor to figure in here when you were calculating this huh it's all you know, you've got to have enough air to make it to the top safely and, and controlled. Okay, well I can do that I think.
0: Well, the, the the other thing is, of all the tables that we went through, there was I don't believe we ever got to a point where like so cases we've made the calculation of how many cubic feet we need in the bottom of translating that that eighty cylinder into what the pr- the pressure would be to have that volume.
1: It's it's actually pretty simple. Um, it's a term called the tank factor. Um, and you know, every cylinder has a rated pressure and a rated volume. Uh, and, we, and if we think of those two things as a ratio, um, the tank factor is a simply a division of how many um, cubic feet equals one psi in a tank. All right. So if we if we do that simple division to get that tank factor, then we can turn our um, we can just use you know freshman year high school algebra to turn our gas reserves and cubic feet into PSI.
2: Right. So we could take our – say, for example, we're diving uh, an 80, which is, uh, what, 3,000-pound fill at 77 cubic feet, right? Right. Something like that. So we would have to take our 77 cubic feet and divide that by whatever our tank pressure pressure, our rated pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So we would divide that. Get my handy dandy calculator out here. Oh, I'm typing away over here too. And uh, okay, it like and then
1: 0. we 0.02 something.
2: Yep, 0. 0.02566 something. And right. uh, then we can take that times our um, 38 cubic feet, right, that we need for our reserve. Right. Is that what we calculated?
1: Uh, I need to divide
2: it. I divide it. Divide it by that. Um, okay. okay. <laughs>
0: Everybody's, yeah, you take, you, you,
1: you take your your pressure or your, your volume in cubic feet. So you take that 38 cubic feet and yep. you divide that by the tank factor. That's okay, going to be so take... 1,520. Okay,
2: which uh, that's a scary lot of lot of uh, gas when you're starting out with maybe a 2,800 pound fill, isn't it?
1: That is, and um, you should see the look on some people's faces uh, when I when I dive with new divers. And, um, you know, we're doing a you 100-foot know, dive. And I say, okay, we're going to thumb a dive at 1,500 PSI. You know, you don't see the look on their face. You know, there's like, no way. I'm not going to, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'll breathe my tank down to, you know, 1,000 or, or 800 or whatever. You know, to them, you know, that's, that's half a tank. And, um, but there's, there's no, no way that we can't say that, okay, that's going to be the bottom portion of our dive. But if we're, you know, in the Caribbean somewhere on a reef or on a wall at 100 feet, you know, we hit 1500 PSI, we could then, you know, ascend up to 40 feet, you know, and continue on our dive because then our our rock bottom or our reserves to go from 40 feet up to the surface is only going to be like 800 PSI. Right. You know, so we can easily just kind of multi-level it out such that we don't have to, you know, completely end the dive with 1500 PSI in our tank.
2: Yeah. So, and you just mentioned rock bottom. I've heard that before. Is that what you just walked us through calculating basically?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Rock and, bottom is another name for determining your emergency reserves uh, for, your, for your air supply. Ah,
2: okay. Well, I appreciate that. Um, that that kind of opens up some things uh, for me to watch as far as a diver. And
0: uh, Darren, did you have any questions on that? No, but it just uh, it just highlights you know when we do those uh, deeper dives and we come up you know I, I kind of thought we were being overly conservative, but uh, actually we ended up being just about dead on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then uh, you know of course we've got a pony bottle with us as uh, even an extra uh, amount of uh, spare.
1: Yeah, if you start to to do the, the calculations, you're going to find that if you and your buddy are on the same page. With the gas management, you can get rid of the pony bottles, you know, because now um, I know that if my buddy has a mechanical problem and all his gas is gone, then I can simply you know, donate to him. And I know that I've got enough gas to get us to the surface, you know, and, and right. vice versa. It's not,
2: it's not a question.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of more things you know, with, with the gas management, too. I mean, we've got the rock bottom, which is a big thing. But then once we take that, that rock bottom, or our emergency reserves, and we subtract that from our total gas supply at the start of a dive, that becomes our usable gas. So from there, we can also determine whether we're going to do an all-use dive, a half-use dive, or a third-use dive. So we can, you know, start to look at our usable gas and how we actually want to allocate the usable gas. So whether we're going to do any kind of wreck penetrations or cave penetrations, um, or whether it's going to be out and come back to the upline, um, all that can be done based upon our gas supply. And if you combine that with our consumption rates, okay, now I know that after X amount of minutes have gone by. I've consumed, you know, Y amount of gas that I need to turn around, right? So I always tell people that my, my pressure gauge that I carry with me is my backup pressure gauge, and my primary pressure, pressure gauge is what's between my ears,
2: Because you should be knowing all along approximately how much you've used and how much you're going to use, right?
1: Exactly, yep. Okay. And you know the same thing, I I use the same kind of concept when I'm teaching my classes. On the very first dive of all my classes, my students learn to calculate what their consumption rates are, and they tell me what they're going to be. So that way, when we go on consecutive dives for the class – I know that it's at twenty minutes into a dive, what each diver should be at pressure-wise. Okay, so if mm-hmm. they're not monitoring their pressure gauges, I know in my head where they sh- around where they should be at, and I can remind them, "Hey, you know, check your pressure gauge, how you doing?" That kind of thing.
2: Very cool. Well, I, I appreciate you teaching us with that. Um,
0: well, we, if somebody, we, go ahead. We did have a, uh, a question in the chat room. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you dive cows and then take your bailout on deeper dives? C-A-L apostrophe S. Oh, I, th- the, I think that was uh, do your calculations, and then
2: uh, if you have to, you take a bailout bottle with you on the deeper dives.
0: Is no, uh, that
1: was. Uh, we do the calculations, um, and... Because the calculations are, are done with a consu- with a consumption rate of a stressed diver, um, I know that I'm going to be more conservative, um, and therefore I don't need the bailout bottle. So we'll do the calculations and say, okay, here is our, our rock bottom PSI, um, and as long as the team knows that when we reach that number, it's thumbs no matter what, right? So there really isn't a need for any kind of bailout even on deep dives. Mm-hmm. Okay. As long as, my, as long as I'm I'm with my team.
2: Right, and everybody is like-minded. Exactly, it, it kind of is important to have that.
1: <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely,
2: yep, no doubt. So, if somebody wanted to uh, to, to uh, talk to you or learn more about uh, taking a course from you or, or following you, how would they uh, how would they keep track of you on the the internet?
1: Well, I've got my website, which is uh, precisiondiving.net. Um, is my my primary website that lists all my classes and and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've got my blog, which is uh, precisiondiving.net slash blog, um, where I've got uh, some some decent articles on there, plus my usual ramblings and everything else. Um, And and I'm on Twitter and Facebook and and all that stuff, which you can find um, off of my homepage. Um, If your your listeners uh, are interested... Um, I've written kind of an ebook that I give to all my classes on gas management. It's about 30-35 pages long um, that goes into a, a lot of detail um, about you know tank factors, about rock bottom, um, you know the thirds, you know rule of thirds, half use, all that kind of good stuff. it's also got um, some tables at the end that people can print out and uh, run through their own examples. Um if they go to my my websites and uh, and shoot me an email um, from my website, I'd be more than happy to email uh, it's a PDF file to them. Um, all I ask is they just sign up for my email list.
2: Oh, excellent. yeah, I'm sure you'll have more than uh, more than two takers on that yeah. anyway yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and more so, knowledge yeah, is and, always a good thing.
1: Yeah, and you know with, with with the gas management and stuff, I mean I've included this now in all of my classes. so, uh, if you take a class from me, you're going to get all this gas management regardless of whatever class it is. Um, even if you were to right. take a you know, fish identification specialty with me, you're going to get gas management.
0: Now, now so, is there a particular class where you cover gas management more than others?
1: No, I, I cover it the same. Um, uh, in, in, well, I should say I cover all the fundamentals the same for every single class. When you get into the technical diver classes, which I teach advanced nitrox and deco procedures, um, as well as technical rec diving, we do get into a little bit more detail, but the fundamentals are still the same. Uh, it changes a little bit for technical divers because technical divers, um, typically when they share air, are going to be sharing air to the first available gas source, Okay? which recreational divers, the first available gas source is going to be the surface, um, but for technical divers, it's going to be where they can actually switch off onto their decompression gas. So uh, with technical divers we can then calculate our rock bottom which is going to be less than what it would be for a recreational diver because we're going up to our first decompression switch rather than going all the way to the surface So it is a little bit different with the technical diver classes versus a recreational diving classes.
2: Gotcha I hadn't really ever thought about that but that's that's good to know mm-hmm. okay Well I think I've got enough uh, enough here to keep me busy to uh, run some practice numbers for Probably all the wrecks in our area for a while yep and to see and where my where my turn pressure is
1: And that was one of the things that that I did was um, I knew all of my common dive sites that me and my friends were, were diving and what we did was we just ran the rock bottom numbers for the various tanks that we have and then for the various depths that we have and we, we stored those in our wet notes or on a slate or something like that. That way, when we actually get to the dive site, we're not doing all this math, you know, with the calculators and everything else. It's already written right. down for us. We've already done it ahead of time, and then all we have to do is just, you know, a double check review that everybody knows. Hey, here's our, our rock bottom pressure. Here's our turn pressure. You know, all that kind of stuff.
0: That just makes sense. <laughs> yep. Well, it, it seems to be, especially for for you and I, Jim. It'd be easy enough just to go and and do on a table at the beginning of the year, and then you've got it for. For all the oh, dives. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. It gets different so. when you switch tanks because the tank factor is going to be different for the different tank volumes and pressures. Um, but if you dive the same tanks over and over again, yeah, you can definitely get uh, a table going and uh, just store that with your logbook or a slate or whatever else. Put it in your dive bag.
0: Right on. Right on. Okay. Well, well thank well. you so much, uh, Dwayne, for... For coming on, and, and you're welcome. The to, to hang on. What we're going to do after the show is we'll have our our divers roundtable as we've been doing for the last uh, couple episodes. So we'll we'll bring uh, Rich and Mac and anybody from the chat room who wants to come on, and and we'll just uh, uh, talk about uh, anything that's dive related, and then occasionally get a little bit off topic. So it's uh, been very popular. occasionally, <laughs> occasionally. So, uh, but uh, now's the time of the show. We go and we talk about uh, last week's dive. So, Jim, how was your last week's dive?
2: Uh, dry. Oh. It was dry. I didn't get out.
0: Well, Not did, at all. You saw my dive last week, didn't you? Um, uh,
2: no, I missed it.
0: Yeah, it was the one where I was shoveling for four and a half hours in my driveway. Oh, that's right. Hey, when I drove up your driveway, I appreciated it, though. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> well, I, I i told you the story about the end of that as I, is I uh, spent four and a half, five hours of, of digging, and as I'm making the last 30 feet to the road, uh... The neighbor comes by with his his, his uh, tractor the fourteen foot blade, and then goes and cleans out the driveway for me so
2: wow, that's a good deal well, you
0: can't least... count on it, and I appreciate him coming and doing it but uh, it, uh I think you know of, of the twenty years I've lived out there, I think this is actually the first time I nearly shoveled the whole thing,
2: and it's so, a long driveway that's no exaggeration
0: yeah it's uh you know some people say their their driveways uh you know a hundred two hundred feet long i think my what's well, mine about three hundred. Three hundred and fifty, something. something about like that. I I never measure it intentionally. Right. But uh, that, you know, originally the reason I wasn't going to go diving last week is my daughter had a swim meet and I were going to have to go that. But they canceled it. And, you know, the first thing that popped in my mind is now nah, I got time for a dive. Right. Right. But, uh,
2: but, the, but the weather would not have been supportive to that
0: anyway, I don't no, think. I would
2: I would have had to
0: uh, – <laughs> First, I have to get out of the driveway right. to find a place to go dive. So that would have been about 2.30. Uh, but we should have some ice forming now.
2: Yeah, um the the report from rich is out at the quarry there for him i think they had two inches i don't know what uh, any of the smaller lakes in our area have got on them yet um
1: hey, I, up to, uh, two or three inches right now does it yeah it's got an email from tina this morning that they uh, just have a thin layer of ice going so right.
0: but, but we had uh, did, now over there did you have the we had one morning here was it yesterday or the day before we were at two just over zero celsius I mean just well, way way over way below zero Celsius <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to help our u k screw out and here i i have just sunk them because they just fell through the ice at at two degrees, but so, he said
2: it was uh, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: so uh but uh I
2: think we'll go back and recalculate those
0: tank uh <laughs> you, <laughs> you better, math somebody skills. better double check on that uh, but uh no, it was uh, zero uh, Fahrenheit. so we we really had uh I would think some ice building.
1: We had some that was uh, below ten degrees Fahrenheit um, for a couple weeks there. But then we had one week where, I mean, I think the temperatures got up uh, in the 40s. Yeah. That melted all of our snow and everything. So.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, we we were we were counting on the next uh, an ice dive for New Year's Day, and then uh, what Max said they had uh, 41 degrees in the water and 50 uh, some air the the night before. Hmm. Yeah so that makes it a a, not a very good ice
2: dive um but but that does mean that soon enough it will get thick enough where we can get an actual ice dive in and uh i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to some
0: increased visibility and uh um yeah i'm just looking forward to it well i noticed that uh looks like the club uh, now this weekend we're not going to be at least we're not going to be doing an ice dive i don't think Uh, we're going to be on another show, Talking Scuba, if everything works out. So uh, we'll watch our Twitter and Facebook feeds, and we'll post when that's done and which episode we're on. But uh, the the guys from uh, Talking Scuba have invited us on. So we're going to go up there, and uh, not really sure what we're going to talk about. You know, we'll play it by ear. You know, this show is so tightly scripted. Um, yeah, run a so, tight ship. <laughs> so we're, we're going to go up there. And then uh, tentatively next week we're going to have the guys from – From Talking Scuba will be on here, so I'll I'll watch for that, and uh, we'd we'd love to have as many people in the chat room as possible. Give them some some feedback. So make sure you head over to their show, uh, listen to a few episodes. uh, A little bit different format than what we do. They're a video podcast or netcast. Uh, They tend to be a week. You know, they they probably do. uh, three episodes every four weeks so not quite to the pace that we do but uh, you know video format so they have some opportunity to go so some some videos so we've uh, sent some videos of our dives up there so you know head on take a look at the program and we'll have them on next week uh, so we, we've just about done it to another episode again Jim we have um, so this
2: week is probably all accounted for isn't it for diving
0: yeah, well I I'm thinking uh you know we we might have to hit a couple dive shops. And I know it doesn't substitute for diving, but uh yeah, we need to get it in. So, of course, Rich uh you know is uh is saying that he got some dives in and uh we we count on that. <laughs> he's, uh yeah. yeah we, we, he's not really all that polite about it either. No, I, I didn't say what he said in the chat room. If you want to find out what he said in the chat room, you got to come on here on Thursday nights, 9 p.m., drop in the chat room and then uh, as the trend or tradition has become lately, uh, after the show we do the divers roundtable. So are are we ready for that time of the show? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I, I think we are. Uh, last week I had a request, but nobody requested this week. So, uh, and I and I thought this was this one was a good one. So uh, so we'll hold on, uh, tighten your BCs, and we'll get ready for this. Fire away. Okay, three scuba divers walk into a waterfront bar. A fair-weather diver, a seasonal diver, and a scuba-obsessed diver. Each ordered a beer, and out of an odd coincidence, they each found a fly in it. The fair-weather diver looks in his beer and said, Hey, bartender, I have a fly in my beer. I need another. The seasonal diver looked in his beer, saw the fly, reached in, plucked it out, and continued drinking. The scuba-obsessed diver looked in his beer, saw the fly, grabbed it by the wings, began shaking it vigorously over the mug, screaming, Spit it out, damn you, spit it all out. It wasn't really a bad joke. <laughs> am I? Am I ruining my trend? You are. I think the year is, so is going to go down in flames. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to find the bad ones, but some of these uh, somewhat bad ones keep coming out. So, all right. So until next week, uh, go out there and get wet <laughs> and dive safe. So who's in the chat room? Who wants to come on? Rich, you up for it?
2: Mac? Mac? Uh, looks like Mac might have logged off.
0: Well, let's um, go ahead, and he he might just be logging off to uh, fire up Skype. Well, we got Craig. He's he's here, so we invite the conference. <laughs> we got Rich. I'll get them all in. I see uh, Jim S is on. I wonder what he's doing tonight. Hello, I am not on Skype right now. Please leave me a message. This will be recorded by Power Grimo. Thank you. <laughs>